All right, I hope you are excited about today, because I know I say this every week, but I'm excited about today, because today we're going to talk about being irrational. Yeah! <laughs> Irrationality, that's the way to go. What we're doing right here, for those who are new, as I said in the sermon, what we're talking about here in uh, the well these days is we're going through our 10 core values as a church, because we believe that we're not just a normal church and our goal isn't to just do church. Like the majority of people in this world think that just going to church solves the church issue or the church requirement. We're not just trying to go to church and do church. We're trying to be something special because we feel God has called us to be something special. So the 10 core values that we've been talking about over the past several weeks identify who we believe God has called us to be. And for those who are just looking at these 10 core values, there the bar is high. Okay, and I'll tell you that right off the bat, like the bar is not something, is not a low bar, it's a high bar. And we know that we're not going to accomplish it today, but we're going to start striving for it today. And that's our goal is that we grow in these core values together. Every week, I show you the mountain of core values as we climb up together. And then I say, what's the first one? And two or three people say, and I say, what's the second? And two or three, so two or three people have them all memorized. Okay, but today I'm going to test you. All right, I need everyone to write down, I, didn't, I wish I had a left space, write down on your handout if you can think of, write down as many of the core values as you can think of, ready, go. Go. Everyone's staring at me, not at their paper, go. <laughs> in any order, if you get them in the right order, you get bonus points, okay? Even though there's no real points, but you get bonus points. Write as many as you can think of, go. Quick, faster, pressure. The winner, who gets the most will receive a very special prize. But I'm playing as well. <laughs> so if I get them, I get the prize. I, I get all tiebreakers. <laughs> Still writing? Okay, so we've gone through, today we're on seven, so we've gone through six. So how many people can write down six on their paper? Nobody can write down six. Okay, let's start at the back. How many people can write down one on their paper? Write down one on their paper. Okay, how many people can write down two on their paper? How many people can write down three on their paper? Four. Yeah. Five. Six? All six? All right, a couple. All right, let's go through it one by one. The first core value at St. Timothy and St. Athanasius Church is? This one, you have to get this one. Okay, because it's number one. We've reviewed it every single week that we've been together. Okay, so you have to get this. I spoke about it. limitless acceptance is the foundation that we believe that every single person is created by God and we should accept them as such because we are the body of Christ. So we will be Christ to everyone we meet and Christ accepted everyone limitlessly. Core value number two at St. Timothy and St. Athanasius Church is authentic community. We don't believe that we're just supposed to get together and just have superficial relationships with one another or with God. So the same way we need a, a, a genuine, authentic relationship between us and God, we need genuine, authentic relationships with one another. We're meant to be a family, not just a group of people who has coffee together on Sundays. Core value number three is? Transformational, Transformational communal worship. That's the longest of them all. Transformational communal worship says that when we gather together, we don't just get together because we just enjoy having fun and, and hanging out together, but we gather around the body and blood of Christ, around the real presence of God every time we meet, and we gather, as I said in the beginning, to be transformed by God. That's why we call this the well, because the well is an ordinary place, and here you see an ordinary place where we meet, the, we meet with the presence of God and we become transformed in extraordinary ways. Number four. 
passionate pursuit of God. Okay, very good. And we don't just meet in church together to worship God, but the, but the pursuit of God begins on Sunday, but it continues on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And everything we do, we seek to do it for the Lord. That means whether we eat, whether we drink, whether we read, whatever it is we do, we seek to honor Him and worship Him in everything that we do. We're not just Sunday Christians. We seek to passionately pursue God every single day. And then we get to the pinnacle of the mountain. Our goal is that we can live with core value number five, which is Christ-like integrity. This is the peak that we live as Christ lived. That our words match what our actions are. Our words match our actions. So we don't just say that uh, forgive us as we forgive others, but we really forgive others. We don't just say turn the cheek, we really turn the cheek. We don't just say love our enemies and love our neighbors. We, we live that kind of life. Now, like I said, this stuff ain't easy. All right, but we're going to start striving for this. And for those who are with me, uh, with us the past couple weeks, the revelation that came from this is that even the sequence of these core values has been very, very, very important. The sequence was designed by God. That if we're taking somebody from the street who knows nothing about nothing, we're going to get that guy and we're going to plug him in here at St. Timothy and St. Athanasius, and we're going to accept that person. And we're going to accept that person limitlessly. That person knows nothing. About, we're going to accept them. And then we're going to integrate them into the community. And then we're going to allow them to be transformed by the presence of God. And then we're going to encourage them to leave the church and live passionate lives for God in their room, in their work, and everywhere that they go. And then ultimately they will get to the point, hopefully, where they will live with a Christ-like integrity. And now that we reach the pinnacle, now the fruit of it is all on the other side, which is the sixth one which we talked about last week, which is... Faith-filled vision is that we live a life of faith because we believe that we have a big God, not a little God. And we are not surprised when our God does miracles. We are more surprised when He doesn't. We rely on that big God to do miracles and we trust in the power of prayer. Somebody asked me, I'll show you the rest of them. Okay, here's the rest of them which we haven't talked about yet. We're going to talk about irrational generosity. We'll talk about that today. We'll talk about stewardship of our talents and gifts call to evangelism, love for community. Someone asked me, why is it that we're on the way down now? I don't understand why we're going down. We're not going down as much as we climbed, we scaled the mountain, and now we're living. These, these five on this side are the fruit of the first five. All right, is that when we've done this, 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 and this, the fruit which will come naturally is we'll start to live a life of faith, like Abraham lived and like we talked about. We'll start to be irrationally generous with our time and with our money in ways that doesn't make sense to people who are still outside the mountain. We will start to look at our talents and gifts and see how we can use them to serve the kingdom of God. We will believe in the personal call to evangelism and we'll have a genuine love for our community. And this person who came in here, who attended all of this, climbed the mountain, scaled on the way back, will go back into the same community that he went, that he came from, but he will not go back in the same way. That's our goal, St. Timothy and St. Athanasius. Jesus calls us, transforms us, and then sends us. That's what this mountain is. That's what Jesus did with the disciples. Jesus began the disciples with, come follow me. But then it ended with, go live for me. And that's what this mountain represents. Come follow me, go live for me. That's what the mountain of core values is. All right, let's get into the seventh one. Irrational generosity. We genuinely believe. Okay, and the key word here is genuinely. It's not, not just words, but genuinely believe that it is more blessed to give than to receive. And we seek opportunities to express our love to God by sacrificing our time and our money. I'm going to hit on this word genuinely today. And we are, we are going to be people who genuinely believe the words of Scripture when it says it is more blessed to give than receive. 
And if we genuinely believe it, then we will seek out opportunities to receive that extra blessing. Is that me? Am I okay? That's okay. Key word here for today. We'll seek out opportunities to express our love to God by what? Sacrificing. Key word for today is going to be sacrifice because sacrifice is irrational. Because for the most of us, we don't like sacrificing stuff. Let's see what's going on here. Make sure all these are off. Is it me? Battery? Thank you. Change that. There you go. Change that. Stick with this one. There was a handheld one. There we go. A little technical difficulty. Most of us don't like sacrificing stuff. And sacrificing oftentimes can be seen as irrational. Why would you wake up early when you can sleep in? Why would you give your money when you can take? What we're going to talk about here today is the word sacrifice. And sacrifice literally means putting your money where your mouth is. Who's smart and can tell me the Greek word for sacrifice? This word sacrifice that you see. The Greek word for it. Because the Greek word is important because we see it in our church prayers. Anybody? Great deacons? Poor deacons? Nobody knows? Theseia. You guys ever heard the word Theseia? In case it's a Greek word, say it with me. Theseia. Theseia. It would be like T-H-Y-S-E-Y-A. S-E-Y-A. Okay? Huh? Hey? S-I-A-S-E-Y-A. I mean, it's, it's Greek anyway, so it doesn't really matter. <laughs> Thank you for correcting my English to Greek transliteration. I appreciate that. <laughs> Everybody's an expert all of a sudden. <laughs> I'm just joking. I'm just joking. That's my brother. He helps me out. Theseia. Where have you guys heard this word Theseia in the church prayers before? You guys heard this word Theseia before? Anyone? Anyone ever attended church service before? <laughs> okay, I, I, I'll get to where it is in the church prayers. We'll get to that. But the important thing I want to start off is today we're not talking about money. Today we're not talking about time. Today we're not talking about giving or offering. We're not talking about any of that stuff. We're talking about sacrifice. Maybe it's moving. If it happens again, I'll just use the other one. Don't worry. Okay? It happened again. Let's just use the other one. We're talking about sacrifice today. And that's what I want you guys to keep in your mind. Okay. Start in the Old Testament. Does God care about sacrifices? Yes. God went in the Old Testament through painful amounts of detail about the degree to which he loves sacrifice and the manner in which he wants it done. And he went to such a painful degree of detail that's oftentimes the reason that we don't like to read the Old Testament. Because it's just detail after detail after detail about how the sacrifice should be and when it should be and what it should look like. And God gives a lot of detail. What does that say to you that God speaks a lot about sacrifices and the details of sacrifices? What does that say to you about God's view of sacrifices? It's important. If I talk for something about one second and I talk something else about ten minutes, you can say that the thing I talked about ten minutes, that's probably more important than I talked about for one second. That was actually my clue for you college students. Okay, I wasn't the best student in the whole wide world, but I learned a little trick. Back when I went to school, it was the days of blackboards. All right, maybe you don't have blackboards these days anymore. But I only listened to what the teacher wrote on the board. 
Because what he wrote on the board means it was important. And if he just said it without writing on the board, I probably wasn't paying attention to it. But when anything went on the board, it's probably important. Well, I'll tell you, when God talks about something like this, it's important. When God talks about something like this, it's really, really important. Pay attention to those sections. And when God speaks about sacrifice in the Old Testament, it's one of these kind of sections because it's a big deal to God. Help me out here. What's the purpose of sacrifice in the Old Testament? Like, help me out. Why did God give sacrifices? What was the purpose of the people offering sacrifice? There was two purposes. Okay, one of them is forgiveness or redemption. Very good. What's the second one? Huh? Purification? Okay, we'll tie that into redemption or forgiveness. What was the second reason you offer sacrifices? Thanksgiving? Okay. Make that broader. Worship. Worship. Sacrifices were about redemption and were about worship. It was how you got forgiveness and it was how you worshiped God. A couple of verses right here, one about each, from Hebrews chapter 9, verse 22. It says, And according to the law, almost all things are purified with blood, and without shedding of blood, there is no remission. Sacrifice connected to remission. All right? Exodus 34, 20, now about the worship part. And none shall appear before me empty-handed. God commanded, when you come into my presence in the tabernacle, you don't just come with nothing. You come with something. And if you're rich, you come with something big. And if you're poor, you come with something little. And if you got nothing, you go to those people over there and you get something from them. That was a system that God designed. That the people who had a lot, they should bring the best of what they got. And the people who had nothing, God had like a, like a, a, a scaling system. All right? It graded on a curve. All right, so the people who had very little, bring something that's little. Okay, and if you can't afford an uh, ox, that's okay, just bring some grain. And if you can't afford a grain, you go to those guys who are supposed to be stationed in the courtyard, and you go to them, and they'll give you something to offer them, but you don't just come empty-handed. Even if you get something from, from these guys, you've got to come with something. No one appears before me empty-handed. It's a sign of worship. Now, let's fast forward to the New Testament. New Testament. Do we still need sacrifice for redemption in the New Testament? No, because that's what Jesus did. Jesus did the sacrifice. We no longer offer sacrifices for redemption. We no longer do. He was the sacrifice that was offered up once and for all, for all of us. Do we still need sacrifices for worship? Absolutely. Hebrews 9.22, remission, sacrifice, okay, we can say, okay, that's done. But what about Exodus 34.20? That's just as much applicable today as it was when it was written thousands of years ago. In other words, <clears throat> when Jesus says the most important commandment is that you love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, your wallet is included in there. Your agenda or your calendar is included in there as well. And, and I can't say that I really love God with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength if I don't love him with my schedule, and I don't love him with my checkbook, and I don't love him with my credit card. One of the greatest differences between us and the church that we are called to be, where we are and the church that we're called to be, we agreed in the beginning, we are the Acts Church. We are called to be that. We may not be in reality, okay? Or should let me say that better. We may not be like in a seen way, but that's what we are called to be, and that's what we must strive to be is this issue of sacrifice. They got it much better than we did, than we do. They understood the power of irrational generosity and giving. Let me show you a verse here. 
It's three, four verses from Acts 4, 32-35. All right, now I'm going to show you some verses. Don't look at it in your hand. I'll look at it up here, all right, and I'll show you why. It says, Now the multitude of those who believed were of one heart and one soul. Neither did anyone say that any of the things he possessed was his own, but they had all things in common. Saying how they shared all stuff. No one said, this is my money. It's, it's ours. Okay? And if I sold my house and I got a lot of money, hey, guys, look, the church just got a lot of money. Everything was all together. It wasn't, it wasn't mine and it wasn't yours. It was all of us. They had all things in common. That's what that verse says. I'm going to skip three lines here and go down to a couple of verses later. Verse 34 and 35. Same subject. Nor was there anyone among them who had, who had lack, who lacked. For all who were possessors of lands and houses sold them and brought the proceeds of the things that were sold, laid them at the feet of the, at the apostles' feet, and they distributed to each as anyone had need. Everybody took what they had and brought it to the feet of the apostles, and they distributed accordingly. Everybody shared everything. Nobody was in need of nothing. Is that rational or irrational? Is that rational or irrational? Why should I sell my house and give you money? You ain't got no house. I've been paying my house for years. You ain't got nothing. Why should I share that with you? I worked hard, got to promote. Why should I share that? Why should I give my hard-earned money to somebody else? That's irrational, right? Watch now the three verses in the middle. Talked about giving irrationally. In the middle it says, And with great power the apostles gave witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. What's this? This is what we want. Isn't this what we're called to do? Isn't this who we want to be? Isn't, isn't that why we're here? Because we are here so that with great power we can give witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus and great grace is upon them all. That's what we want to That's what we want to be. And I want you to see that this verse is connected with they had all things in common and they gave in an irrational way. The truth of the matter is the power of the apostles came from their sacrifice. The power of the early church came from their degree of sacrifice and their level of sacrifice. Now let's fast forward to us. I asked you before, when do you hear the word Thesea in the liturgical prayers? You hear it twice, or you see it twice, when we pray a certain piece in Greek. And it's when we say, pray for these holy and precious gifts our sacrifices, Thesea, and those who have brought them. Pray for these holy and precious gifts, our sacrifices, and those who have brought them. What are we praying? We said our, our, our worship should be transformational, so we have to understand what we're doing. What are we praying? Pray for these holy and precious gifts. Okay, what are these holy and precious gifts? What, are the, what, what gifts are we praying for? Toys? Like, what are we praying for when we pray for gifts? What are we praying for in the liturgy? Body, blood, bread, wine, right? Okay? So, we're praying for... See, the way it works is back in the day, like today, you show up at church and everything is all set up. And the priest is the first one here. He turns on the lights, turns on the this, gets the wine, gets the water. That's how it is today. But that's not how it was back then. Back in the day, we say, okay, on Sunday, we're going to pray the liturgy together. Um, okay, who's got wine? Okay, uh, Mina, you got some wine? You bring the wine. Uh, Nancy, you bring the bread. Okay, uh, Sylvia, you bring the water. And these people would come and they would bring the gifts. Okay, and we can't start until Mina and Nancy and Sylvia come. They bring the gifts. And then next week say, okay, uh, Joe say, I want to bring the wine this week. And Maria say, well, I, I want to bring the wine the week after that. People would bring them. So we would pray for those who are bringing the gifts, those who are offering the gifts. 
pray for these holy and precious gifts are sacrifices. What sacrifices? What's the sacrifices? A cow? A sheep? A bird? What's the sacrifices that we're praying for and those who bring them? That's you. That's you. Is that you're supposed to come, when you come to this table, to worship God at this table, none shall appear before me empty-handed. How are you going to come in the presence of God empty-handed? You're, like That's what this prayer was written for. It says, pray for the people who are bringing the gifts and pray for the people who are not bringing the gifts but are bringing the sacrifices. I want to change my mentality and your mentality about giving. I don't want to talk, like I said, I don't want to talk about giving today. I don't want to talk about offerings. I want to talk about sacrifices because we treat giving. So this past week, I was on vacation. And when you're on vacation, you eat out. Okay? What's the worst part about eating out? Tip. Okay? <laughs> I hate it. Okay? I hate it. Because I hate it. Okay? I can serve myself. Like, I, I mean, I'd be happy to take care of myself if that was an option. Now, with that said, I'm not a cheap tipper. Okay? I know you think I am, and you, you would think that I am, but I actually read this one time, and this actually changed my life. It said, if you want to help people, the people who are, I read it, said it more eloquently, the people who are most in need of welfare and help are the people who are receiving tips. So if you want to be generous, be a generous tipper, you're helping the people that need it most. The people who receive tips are the people who really need it most. And as a former waiter myself, okay, I have a little sympathy. But I'm, because I'm against the system, okay, I'm not against the individual. And the individual shouldn't have to pay for the system of tips. I, I'm against it. I feel like sometimes we treat giving like a tip. Like, oh, gotta give. What's uh, divided by 10, okay? <laughs> and we treat it as if it's something begrudging and I gotta, and, and the service wasn't so good. Why should I have to? Get rid of that. I'm the first one. And I'll be, uh, don't ever give if you feel you're giving out of like obligation or grudging. The Bible says that you, God does not love unless you're a cheerful giver. So I'm going to talk about giving today and I'm going to talk about money today. I'm going to talk about sacrificing. But I'm telling you right off the bat, if you don't want to do it and you're not doing it out of sacrifice and love for God, don't do it. Don't do it. Okay, because this is not a tip system. Right? You gain nothing by giving it grudgingly. Change, we need to change the way we look at our finances and our sacrifices. It's not about giving God a tip. It's not about doing something because we have to. It's about offering a sacrifice of love. And of none shall appear before me empty-handed. Look, I'll tell you something. That I couldn't believe it when I read it, but it's true. In the New Testament, how many times does the word give appear in the New Testament? Let me give you a little perspective. The word believe appears 272 times in the New Testament. 272, believe. The word pray, 371. The word love, 714. The word give, 2,161. When God was teaching the course, he wrote the word believe 200 times on the blackboard. He wrote the word pray 361 times on the blackboard. He wrote the word love 714 times on the blackboard. When it came time to write the word give, he wrote 2,161. He needed to get a whole new blackboard. What that says is it's an important subject. The most famous verse in the Bible is John 3.16, which says that God so loved the world that he prayed for them. 
or I'm sorry, God so loved the world that he thought about them a lot. Or God so loved the world that he told everybody in the whole wide world how great they were. What shows the extreme love of God for us? That he did what? He gave a sacrifice. We're going to talk today about giving sacrifice because it's the ultimate sign of love. And if you want to be like God, we talked last week about how God made us in His image, okay, and how we sometimes make God in our image. If we're going to be in the image of God, we must be generous givers because our God is a generous giver. Before I jump into the rest of my spiel about the giving and the sacrifices, in case you're wondering, oh, another sermon by a priest asking for money. Oh, Another sermon, every church is the same, the preachers ask for money, 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 money. Number one, if you give in out of grudging, I already told you I don't want your money. Number two, this is very important. If you are a guest here today, while the spiritual principles definitely apply to you about giving and sacrifice, I want to encourage you not to give, at least not to this church. If you're a guest who goes to another church, you should give to your other church. Okay? Of course, we wouldn't argue if you wanted to give here and there, okay? But it's not about trying to solicit donations. And if you're a guest, just checking it out, just kind of off the street. Look, the way it is in my house, we invite company over. And when the company comes over, okay, they sit down, they eat the meal, they leave. And then the kids get up and they start cleaning the stuff. All right? And if we needed to buy stuff, I wouldn't ask the guest to chip in. Okay? For the most part, okay? Depends who the guest is. Okay, the right thing to do is not to ask the guests to chip in, but I may ask the kids to chip in because it's our house. So it's the same thing that applies here. When I'm talking about giving, I'm not talking about trying to solicit donations. I don't care about the money. All right? And anyone who knows me knows that I don't really don't care about the money, but I care about the sacrifice and the worship because that is something that is my duty as a Christian to do and my duty as a priest to teach here in this church. And more importantly, it's how God is going to use this church to do amazing things. All that God has promised to do. Okay? So get that out of your mind that we're talking about materialistics. I want to talk about that. I'm talking about spiritual things here. Today we're going to be irrational and we are going to learn why it is important to be giving even when we have not a lot. And giving even when we don't feel like it makes sense, we need to still be irrational with our giving. Four reasons why. Number one, giving is an antidote to materialism. Yeah, I agree. Actually, let me say that a better way. Giving is the only antidote to materialism. Write that down. Because giving is not one of many antidotes. It is the only antidote to materialism which, I think you'll agree with me, surrounds us and is all over the place. And if you live in a materialistic society as we live in, and you are not actively fighting against it, I got news for you. That materialistic world is going to swallow you up and chew you up and spit you out. The world that we live in says the more that you have, the more happy you'll be. Our God says the more that you give, the happier you will be. Who are you going to believe? The majority of us, I shouldn't say the majority of us, a lot of us, we believe what the world says and not what God says. And that ain't right. The world says the more you have, the more happy you'll be. 
Jesus says, no, it's the exact opposite. The more you give, the more happy you will be. Who do you trust? And who do you believe is the one that's telling the truth? Look, logically, if the more you had made you more happy, then the happiest people in the world would be the richest people. But that clearly ain't the case. Anyone been on a mission trip to Africa or to a place of really, really poor people? Anybody? Raise your hand. Okay, so several people. So t tell me if I'm, if, I'm, if I'm saying something that ain't true right here. Because it's like something that said, anytime anyone comes back from mission trip to Africa and deals with the poorest of the poor people, it's a cliche that we've heard it so many times that we think it's just blah, blah, blah. But there's a reason everybody says it because it's true. We go over there and we say, those people had nothing, but they were so full of joy. Everybody says it. Everybody says it. Now here's what I discovered. That statement, they had nothing. They, so the statement would be, I have a lot and I don't have the same kind of joy that they have, even though they have nothing. That would be like the statement to analyze. I think that statement doesn't speak so much about them. I think it speaks more about us. Because having will never ever make you happy the same way that giving can. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 17 and 18. Command those who are rich in this present age not to be haughty, nor to trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God, who gives us richly all things to enjoy. Let them do good that they may be rich in good works, ready to give, willing to share. Look, anyone who thinks that God is against having money, God is not against having money. Money is not a bad thing. It's not money that's the root of all evil. It's what that's the root of all evil. It's the love of money that's the root of all evil. Money is a good thing. I am pro-money. It's how you use it. Or I should say, how it may like, have a hold of you. That could be the issue. And if you want to know what God wants, God put us in this country with all kinds of material stuff. God put us in an area of this country that's one of the most richest and highest cost of living places where, uh, in the entire country. God gives us richly a lot of stuff. And I'm not here to say you're bad because you have stuff. That's a great thing. Thank God. But when God gives, realize that God gives so that you can then share that blessing with others who don't have. I'm telling you, man, there's a statistic that I read one time and it is so sad. Did you know that in the world, okay, produces enough food on its own for every single person to eat like, what is it, 2,000 calories a day? Or, or something like that, okay? The world on its own produces enough food that nobody should ever be hungry. What does that say to you? That says that there's some people who are not very good at sharing. Because in a perfect world, that everyone who had, okay, maybe instead of that second, third helping that we got on there, okay, that every single person, we'd learn to share. And if we all just shared with each other, that God gives some a lot and some none, not to say, ha, 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 but to say, you, share with you. Think about, what are we in now, July, June? So Christmas was, what, six months ago, right? Think about a present you got in Christmas. Last time you got a good present. Great present, best present ever. Yeah! How happy did it make you? Made you happy. Look, I opened up and I got a new thing. And that made me so happy for a little bit of time. But think about it. If you've ever given a present to somebody in need, those are the moments that stick with you. I can't tell you how many presents I've received 
But I can tell you certain presents that I have given to people who are really, really, really in need of it. And I will never forget those moments. The satisfaction and the joy that I still to this day derive from those moments will live with me forever. Why? Because truly, as the Lord Jesus said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. He wasn't lying when he said it. He knew what he was talking about. Giving is an antidote, is the only antidote to materialism. Number two, giving strengthens my faith. Giving strengthens my faith. <clears throat> Did you know, that especially for us, the rich people of the world, every single time you get a paycheck, that is a test from God. Do you know that? Every time that paycheck comes, that's a scantron test right in front of you. And God is giving you richly, but He's also testing you. And testing you to see, are your words, are you going to trust in Him, or are you going to trust in uncertain riches? Every time you get a paycheck, you make a choice with that paycheck. I'm going to put some of it over here. I'm going to spend some of it this way. And then there's God standing right there. And God is saying, Remember me, whom you say that you love, and you coming before me, none shall appear before me empty-handed. Every time something comes in, how you choose to use that money is a test from God. Some of us would look at that and say, Okay, well, that stinks. A lot of tests. I disagree. I say, Yes. A lot of tests. Why? Why is more tests more good? Better. But more good. Is, is, why? Because every time I pass the test, I get a little sticky face from God. A little smiley face sticky guy. Look at this. Malachi 3.10 Bring all the tithes into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. And try me now in this, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such blessing that there will be not room enough to receive it. Every time you get a paycheck, that is God's way of saying, who wants a miracle today? Who wants it? Just pass this test. And if you pass this test, boom. Watch. And you know how many times does God say, try me now in this? He never says, pray a lot and try me now in this, see what I'm going to do. He never says fast all day and try me now in this. He doesn't say any of that stuff is try me now, only in giving. The only area he said, try me now in this. He said, I'm going to be practical and I'm going to be tangible. Why? Because I'm asking you to be tangible. I'm asking you to give a sacrifice that's tangible. I'm going to give you a tangible reward, reward and a blessing. Okay, so wait a minute. Okay, this is perfect. This is excellent. This is the best thing ever. I need, you've all thought this way before. I need a hundred dollars to get something. Okay, God, here's fifty dollars. Okay, I'm going to give it to you and I'm sure you're going to bless me in return, right? Isn't that how it works? That's how it works? No. God never repays dollar for dollar. He could, and sometimes he does. I shouldn't say he never. Let me take that back. He sometimes does, but seldom. Because maybe... I might lose $50, but I may gain peace in my marriage. $50, peace in my marriage. 
$50, let's make, let's make it a higher, let's, let's go irrational. $50 is way too rational. Let's go $1,000. I mean, really irrational. Okay? $1,000, God takes care of my kids. And God makes my kids like the best. God provides like safety and blessing in my house. And I can't define what blessing in my house is, but you know, and I know, that sometimes you walk into a house and you feel the blessing of God there, and sometimes I walk into a house and I feel the last thing in this house is a blessing from God. Is that worth $1,000? I'm not saying you write a check to, I'm not saying it like that. I'm saying I sacrifice and I trust that God, I trust that I will never outgive God, ever. That I will never get to the end of the road and say, okay, God, this is what I gave you and this is what you gave me. Eh, never. Verse says, bring the tithes, I will open for you. It does not say, I will open for you and then you will bring the tithes. The order is very important. Okay? It would be great that God gives and then we respond. But God already gave and now we're supposed to respond and then He's going to give again in response. Alright? So the order there is significant. Alright? So this is not time to be polite with God. No, no, no. I insist. You go first. No, no, no. Okay? Giving strength is my faith. Number three. Giving is an investment for eternity. I know we got some smart people right here with us today. People who are sharp, financial things, all right? And I'm sure you do not invest a dollar unless you know the return on that investment. And you're a sucker if you're going to spend a dollar and then 10 years from now, get a dollar back. That would make you officially a sucker. You want to invest a dollar and get at least a dollar 10 back. Agree? You invest in a car. And they say, car, you invest, as soon as you drive off the lot, you've lost 50% of that investment right off the bat. The second you drive off, that's why I never, I never ever, this is the first, I just this time, but before this, I never ever bought a new car, okay? But this one was a really, really good deal, okay? But in general, I'm against buying new cars because the second you drive off, you lose all the value in that new car. You go out to eat or to a movie and you invest and the second that movie's done, that's it. All that has been invested is completely lost. You invest in the kingdom of God. You may not see the immediate, even though we said before that God will reward you right now, but beyond that, you may not see the immediate blessing. But imagine that you get up to the kingdom of heaven and you see, the Bible says in heaven there are mansions. And you get up to heaven, you see a big mansion. You say, wow. Who's that belong to? And they say, that's yours. Say, no, 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 I'm a poor guy. He says, no, 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 no. You may have been poor down there, but all that you were sending up, okay, we got that saved up here, plus interest. And when the Bible pays interest, what's the biblical interest rate that Jesus talks about? 30, 60, and 100 fold. Y'all know what 30, 60, and 100 fold is? Y'all know, okay, what's 30 fold? means I give you one and I get back 30. 
Okay? Not a dollar thirty. A dollar thirty would be thirty percent interest. Thirty off a dollar, that's three hundred percent interest, if my math is correct. That's a pretty good rate. And that is the lowest that heaven pays out. It goes up to sixty and then it goes up to a hundred. But I'll be happy with the thirty. I always think of this. Well, let me take a step back here. When you invest, now I'm going to speak specifically about us here in this church. Okay, so I'm speaking specifically about St. Timothy and St. Athanasius Church. When you give to St. Timothy and St. Athanasius Church, and again, I'm not soliciting donations, and if anyone doesn't want to give, that's fine. I'm not, I'm not trying to solicit or trying to sell. I'm just trying to speak the truth about who it is that we are and what our mission is. Y'all remember our mission statement? I showed y'all this last week. Y'all should have this hopefully memorized, all right? If not, I'll read it for you. We exist. Actually, read it with me so I know you're paying attention. Read it with me. We exist to transform lives in the D.C. metro area through an authentic relationship with Jesus Christ founded upon the life and teachings of the Orthodox faith. Our goal, and I shared this last week, and I just get so excited when I talk about it, so I'll try to talk about it for one second because I did last week. Our goal is not just to do church. Our goal is to change the world. And I said change the world is a very broad, okay, so let's leave that. Let's do short-term goal. Just change the country. Our goal is to change the country with here with what we do in this church. Because our goal is to present the message that our Lord Jesus Christ taught us with upon the foundation of the Orthodox Church, the life and teaching of the Orthodox Church, and to change every single person that we can in this D.C. metro area. And we believe that if we change people in this D.C. metro area, that they will then go to other places and change those other places. And I believe that, as I said, as Jesus said, come and follow and then go and live, that many people who are inside this room will go on to other places and will start other churches that can transform lives in other places. And I really believe with all my heart, I know you think I'm just, I'm, I'm just I'm blowing smoke at you. I ain't blowing smoke at you. I really believe it. I'm irrational, but that's okay. Because I really believe God gave us this promise. God is going to do great things through the ministry here at this church. Not because of me, and not because of you. But because the whole is greater than the sum of the parts. And your dollar might not be great. But that dollar, when invested in this house, will do great things. And you will have a share and an inheritance with all the great work that's done through here. Here's what's going to happen. I like to dream. You one day are going to go to heaven. That's not the dream. Hopefully that's going to... Okay, that's the... Okay, here's the dream part. <laughs> that's the, hopefully the reality. Okay? You're going to get up to heaven. And like I said, you're going to see your house over there. You're going to start... Wow, it's my... I'm going to walk up to my house. And somebody's going to greet you. Say, hey! You! What's your name? Okay? I love you. You're the best. And there's going to be a group of people that say, Hey, that guy's here. And you say, I don't know who these people are. Say, you know who we are? We're here because of you. Say, I never met you before. Aren't you the one that invested in that church over there in the Hilton Hotel in Arlington? In that funny little Hilton Hotel. Say, yeah, I, I gave a little bit, a little bit of sacrifice. Well, what that church did, somebody from that church was saw me and invited me and then I became and then I knew and now I am and here I am and thank you because if it wasn't for you I wouldn't be here that's my dream that actually that dream is what motivates me oftentimes that I'm gonna get up there and I'm gonna see people who are gonna say I'm here because of you I'm here because of you not because you preach to me 
Okay, if you can preach, you preach. If you can give, you give. If you can serve, you serve. I'm here because of you. And I believe that what God is going to do in this church, there's going to be a lot of people that's going to be up there because of here, and you can have a share and inheritance in that. I'm not trying to sell you, okay? I'm not trying to solicit. I'm just, I get excited, okay? 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 18 and 19 says, Let them do good. Again, he's speaking about having money. Let them do good. Let them, they be rich in good works, ready to give, willing to share, storing up for themselves a good foundation for the time to come that they may lay hold on eternal life. We are going to be irrational because heaven is irrational. We are not just going to invest in rational things. We are going to invest in things that don't make sense and in things that pay 30, 60, and 100 fold. Ask yourself how much return you're getting on your investment when you buy a new car, new clothes, or you go out to eat or whatever it is. And again, I'm not saying not to do that stuff because it says, that's fine. Enjoy your life. That's fine. But don't just be rich in material things. Be rich in heavenly things as well. So we give irrationally. Number one, it is an antidote. It is the only antidote to materialism. Number two, it's passing, strengthening my faith. Number three, because it is an investment in eternity. And number four, giving blesses me in return. And again, I cannot describe and define exactly what that sentence means. But I know it's true, and you know it's true. And if you don't know it's true, try, not try me, but I'm, on behalf of God, God is saying, try me now in this, and you tell me if it's true. The blessing of God is not something that can be defined or put in a box. But when you have it, it's worth all the money in the whole wide world. And if you lose it, you'll realize how valuable it is. Proverbs chapter 11, verse 25. King Solomon, the generous soul will be made rich, and he who waters will also be watered himself. The generous soul will be made rich. What this verse says is a universal principle which is everywhere in the Bible and everywhere in the world, I want to say, which is the law of sowing and reaping. That he who sows, reaps. And he who sows a little, reaps a little. He who sows medium, will probably reap medium. He who sows a lot, will probably reap a lot. If you are generous with others, God will be generous with you. That sentence... If you are generous with others, God will be generous with you, was said by somebody 11 years ago to me. And that person is my brother-in-law, John, who doesn't even remember saying it. He said it at my wedding in his speech. He was talking to me and Marianne. He said, I know God will be generous with you guys because you guys are generous with him. And I never forgot that sentence that he said. Okay, I never forgot that sentence that he said. And I can honestly say, and again, I'm not saying this about me as much as I'm saying this about God. This is more testament to God than it is to me. That I can, as much as I've been generous with God, God has never, ever, ever been cheap with me. Ever. In any area. Financial, my time, any area. There are times I'm cheap with Him, but He has never been cheap with me. If you're generous... God will be generous. If you're stingy, God will be stingy. 
This is the principle of life, right? If, 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 if you're annoying, people will be annoying back to you. If you're a jerk, people will be a jerk to you. If you're a criticism all the time, criticizing, people will probably criticize you. If you're generous, you'll find generosity. 2 Corinthians 9.6 says that exact same thing. He who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. He who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. So there, I'm throwing it out to you. I'm putting the ball back in your court. You tell me how much blessing of God you want in your life. This much, then sacrifice this much. This much, then sacrifice this much. You draw the circle on how big a blessing you want in your life by your generosity and your miserliness. Y'all know the word miser is the root of what word? Miserable or misery. Miser equal misery. <clears throat> That's why we should be irrational givers. Now before I wrap up here, I would be doing you a disservice if I talked about why without talking about how. Because believe it or not, the how you give is just at, I, no, no, is more important than the what you give or the how much. The how is more important than the how much. I believe that according to God's word, that giving is a lot more about attitude than it is about amount. The how much doesn't matter to me. That's between you and God. How much you give, I never know, and I don't want to know, and I really don't care. But the how you give, I care very, very, very much. Because I care about you, I care how you give. And I want you to be a generous giver, a cheerful giver. Not a miserly, a stingy. I want you to be generous. Because God doesn't need your money. And the church doesn't need your money. You need giving a lot more than God needs your giving. Okay, again, back to the sacrifice system. God didn't need the cows. God didn't need the grains. God didn't need incense. He's got enough of that up there. You needed it. So therefore, I'm going to make it practical for you. And I'm going to say this. Write this down. God wants me to give willingly and generously. And I'm going to talk about these two. God wants me to give willingly and generously. Willingly equals tithe. Generously equals charity. What's the difference? Very important that you have to understand this. All right. Tithing is the first 10%. That is not counted as giving. Or no, let me say that shouldn't count as that doesn't count as charity. That doesn't count as generosity. Tithing is what belongs to God. When God gives you a hundred dollars, all one hundred is his. All one hundred is his. And if you don't believe that, you're always going to struggle with giving. That if you think that it's yours and I earned it and I got the right to do whatever I want with it, you are mistaken because in one second, if God wants, he can turn your brain into a vegetable. All right? And you can't say, well, I earned it, I did whatever. It's only by the grace of God that you have the ability to earn what you have to earn. So all of it is God's, but God says, I'll let you keep 90, but I want you to put 10 back here. I always thought to myself, why? 
Why does God do that? Why doesn't God just give me the nine? Like, why go through this? Why, like, why this? And then, you know what happened? Then I had children. And then I realized why I give my kids money and then wait for them to put some money over here in the, the savings or in the, in, the, in the church bucket or why I ask them, okay, I'm going to buy you fries. I want a couple fries from it. Because me and Michael had that little discussion on this vacation. He wasn't happy. Okay? I buy you the fries, but I want a couple fries. Because I want them to understand the, the point of giving. That I buy it for you, and then I want you to share. As a father, I get it. I want to teach my kids that it's not yours. It's mine. I gave it all to you. And if I only gave you the 90, you think the 90 is yours, and I'm nothing. I'm going to give you 100, then I want you to give 10 back to me. That is not generosity. That is not charity. That's just giving to God what belongs to Him. That's His money. And if you read in Malachi chapter 3, which I don't think I put up on the screen, but I may have. Yeah, here we go. Verse 8 and 9. So the verse right before the, try me now in this and I'll open the storehouses for you. That's a very nice promise, the verse right before. Will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me. But you saying, what way have we robbed you? Like, hold on, God. Why are you saying we robbed you? Like, what did we do? We didn't do nothing. We just showed up here. He says, I'll show you how. In tithes and offerings. You are cursed with a curse. You have robbed me, even this whole nation. He's saying, you stole from me. How did I steal from you, God? Because you didn't give the tithe. Because I bought you the fries and I said give two to your sister. You stole. Not all 100 was yours. 90 was yours. I just gave it to you because I wanted you to learn the art of giving. Because I'm a giver. I want you to be like me. I wanted you to give. You stole from me. You owe me 10. Cursed be you. Wow! Tithing is not anything. Tithing is just doing my duty. Let me go back to this one. Generosity is charity. Generosity means, here's the way I, I look at it. I get a paycheck. 10% goes to church, no thinking. No thinking. Goes to church, no thinking. And then somebody in front of me who's in need. That giving, that's charity. On top of this, not instead of this. Okay? Not an either or. An and. Say, so you know what? This person sent me something in the mail, this brochure, this organization, this charitable thing. And I'm not against charitable organizations. I'm pro-charitable organizations. But it has nothing to do with the tie. The two have nothing to do with one another. If you're moved by, by homeless, by orphans, by cancer, by, by whatever, that's the best thing in the whole wide world. Give and be generous. But this has nothing to do with this. You know what it's like saying? You know what it's like saying? This charity, okay, this is like an offering to God, like a sacrifice. Like, I want to give you a sacrifice. Imagine I go to my wife, okay, my beautiful wife back there, and I go to my wife and say, I'm going to get you a great gift this month. You know what the gift is? I'm going to pay the water bill. Look at that great gift. And the electricity bill. See how much I love you? Is that count as a gift? That's my job, okay? Paying the mortgage, paying the bills is my job. It's not charity. And we don't go to God and say, look, God, that's the, the tithe, that's the minimum. And all of us, as members of a church, and if you're a member of this church, you tithe here. If you're a member of another church, you tithe there. If you're a member of another church and you want to give here, that's charity, that's not tithe. Is that clear? If you're a member of another church and you give here, again, we certainly welcome it. No one will say no. Okay? We'll have all arms open. Okay? But that doesn't replace your tithe to your church. If you're a member here, you tithe here. If you're a member there, you tithe there. If you want to give charity on top of that because you believe in the mission, more power to you, man. More sacrifice, more blessing. But don't get the two confused. 
there's a story of a boy who received 10 silver dollars on his birthday. Right? And this boy was very appreciative of his gift. And as soon as he sat down, he put all 10 of the coins, like he spread them out. And the first thing he said, he must have learned it in Sunday school or his parents or whatever, he said, this one is for Jesus. Perfect. His mathematics was right on, right off the bat. Okay? And he put that one for Jesus. There's his tithe. And then he started to say, this one is for this, and I'm going to do this with this, and then this, and all this stuff. And then he got to the last one, and he says, and this one is for Jesus too. So the mom said, I thought the first one was for Jesus. The kid said the following. He said, the first one was for Jesus, but the first one really belonged to him. The second one is a gift for him. You know what that is? That's a little boy who understood the principle of giving. Who understood how to give willingly and generously on top of it. I'll finish you off here with this. Again, another prayer that we pray in the liturgy, where again you hear the word Thiseya. It says, We offer unto you... Uh, I'm oh, sorry, wrong. Sorry. Right here. We say... The priest says this piece. The priest says, We offer unto you your oblations or your gifts from what is yours. It's kind of a confusing sense. We offer you from what is yours. Saying that you give and I give back to you. If you don't understand the principle that 100% of everything that you have belongs to God, your time, your money, your health, whatever it is that you have, 100% of His is His. And you offering it back to Him is not grudging, is not I have to, but is my honor. Is my honor that I offer to you. That first, I, I do my tithe and I, do my, and I don't rob you. And I give you what belongs to you. But then, Lord, it is my honor to be generous and to be charitable. That's why I said irrational. If we're just talking about rational giving, I would stop at tithing. But we don't want to be a church of people that just tithes. We don't want to be that. The early church was not people who just gave 10%. They gave 100%. And in fact, if you read in Acts chapter 5, there was a group of people named Ananias and Sapphira who came and they made a whole bunch of money off their house and they gave half of it, half of it, and they got killed on the spot for being cheap. Half of it, they gave 50%, and that wasn't enough. Not because the amount wasn't enough, but because the way they gave it wasn't enough because they were trying to keep back from God. The point is, is the early church knew the power of giving irrationally. And if we want to be having the same kind of power that they had, believe me, prayer is great. Prayer is the best. Fasting, the best. Loving, all that stuff is the best. But if we want to be a church, of power, we must be a church of sacrifice. And when this church, remember I told you all this, I think I told you all this analogy a few weeks ago. A snowflake. Oh yeah, I said it on the first week. Remember this analogy I gave you all the snowflake? The inaugural liturgy back in that St. George's place. A snowflake by itself has no value, has no strength, has no power. But when you put a bunch of snowflakes together, you know what you can do? You can stop traffic. And we in this church, we're going to stop some traffic. And I'm inviting you to throw your little snowflake in 
And if I put my snowflake and you put your snowflake and put all those snowflakes together, no matter how small the amount may be, if the how is willingly and generously, then the how much is insignificant. Because when you put them all together, then we'll see the great power. The timing of this message is from God. Okay? Why say the timing of this message is from God? I've been telling y'all for the past few weeks that we are looking for a home to live in after we finish. Okay, so forgive me, I'll be repeating myself for those. So we're here in this Hilton Hotel until the end of July. Okay, we got a three-month deal with them, so it's May, June, and July. And actually, June is almost over. Because in the beginning, I said, don't worry, we have till the end of July. And I said, okay, when June starts, it's still June and July, but the next time we gather, will it be June, July? Is next Sunday July? Oof. Okay, so I said, once we get to July is when I'm going to start to sweat. I said, I won't start sweating until July, but next Sunday will be July. All right, so we don't have a home after that. We've been looking around at other places, okay, and as I said in my email, those who are on the email list know, there's a really, really, really nice space at George Mason Law School, which is literally like two blocks up the street. It's a beautiful space. It'll double our size here so we can expand significantly in numbers. It's nice, like it's something nice. Problem is, the cost is a little bit high. Now, I'm not saying, again, I'm not soliciting nothing. But what I'm saying, our real problem is not that we don't have money. We have money. But what we are lacking is an understanding of how much money to expect. Because we're a new church, we don't know how much we're going to expect. Like some people would drop a check of $10,000. Hey, that's great. But is, is that going to come back? We don't really know. Okay, so what we need to do of course, again, we're happy with any giving, okay? And we'll never, ever say no. And anyone who wants to drop a one-time check, more power to you, we're happy. But what we really need is our members. And again, this is just to the members. If you're a guest, we don't want nothing from you except to enjoy your time, have a nice cup of coffee, meet some nice people, hear the word of God. That's all we want from you. If you're a member, we need to know what our monthly income is expected. So what I'm asking you to do, I know a lot of those gifts which we received one time, will probably be coming back, but we don't know that, okay? And I'm, I'm, I'm really, the right word, I'm cheap, okay? But I'm also scared. I'm scared of risk. I'm kind of risk averse. And God has helped me through that, but I'm hesitant to make a commitment to a monthly rent of this if I don't know what here is regular, ongoing, and here just one time. So what I'm asking everybody who is a member of the church to do is to go online if you haven't done so and go to where you can donate, all right? And instead of just making a one-time donation, next time you go, set up a recurring donation so we know what we can expect practically. And it's very easy to do. You can even go today and set it up to start in the next month. If you already gave for this month, you can start it on July 1st or July 15th. And you can set it up as often as you want, the third of the month, the 15th, whatever it is that you want. You can do it twice a month, once a month, whatever it is that you want, all right? But I'm asking as a favor, of those who know they will be committed to commit and to kind of put that number there so we can say, okay, you know what? We can take this risk. We can, we can take this step knowing that our income is going to meet this level, okay? I'm not soliciting donations, all right? But I'm just challenging our members to take that step and to put, I said in the beginning, sacrifice is putting your money where your mouth is. And I'm challenging you to put your money where your mouth is as well. Okay, ladies and gentlemen? 
Let's stand up and say a prayer together. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. Lord, we thank you for everything that you have given us. And we know that everything that we have is a gift from you. And anything we offer you, Lord, is not ours, but is yours, that that you give us the honor to offer back to you. Lord, give us to change our way of thinking about about financial resources and our time resources and start to see things as really as a way to get blessed by you and to give back to you and to worship you in the way that you're worthy of being worshipped. Bless our little church here, Lord, and bless each and every single person who's here and let us to always remember to come before you, not empty-handed, but coming to you, offering you a sacrifice, Lord, that is worthy of the God that you are and of all that you've given to us. Bless those who have been generous with this church, Lord. Reward them in ways that, that only they would know. Accept our prayers this day in the name of your only begotten Son, our Lord and our God and our Savior, Jesus Christ, and with the intercessions and the prayers of all your saints. Hear us, Lord, as we pray thankfully. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. But deliver us from the evil one. Through Christ Jesus our Lord, for thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen.